Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, thanks for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday the 22nd of August. Residents in North Leet have been telling us how scary it was to see a fire break out and spread to six houses. The properties on Rose Street have been badly damaged in the blaze, which broke out yesterday evening. Ten fire engines were called and crews spent eight hours tackling the flames. Our reporter Alex Langridge has been at the scene speaking to witnesses. Rosemary Reed lives in one of the homes that caught a light. Last night I was stood in the kitchen and I saw a load of smoke come past the window thought somebody had a barbecue on. I opened the door and there was so much smoke, slammed the door shut, shouted to my son. He's looked out the window and that was it. He just said, right, everybody out, get out of the house now. Something's on fire. Come out. And it was thick with smoke. We couldn't see getting to cross the road. And it was just so much smoke and it was just took hold. And then as, a, as the fire crew managed to get one of the houses calmed down and go along to the next one, the first one to start again. It just kept reigniting after igniting. So where did you go last night? I stayed on the friend's floor just for the night. So do you know where you're going to go now? No. No. I mean, I can't... It's not ideal me sleeping on the floor. I'm I'm registered disabled. I have a lot of health issues. I have COPD and spinal injuries and I'm just getting over cancer. So it's a joy for everybody, isn't it? Back in your property, uh, this morning the fireman came, took me in just so I can get my phone because people have been phoning me and not able to get hold of us. Um, to say the least, nothing salvageable. I've lost it all. You know, precious photos, anything to do with the family. My son, he's lost all his stuff because we all live together and it's just disheartening, so disheartening. It was very frightening and just as we thought it calmed down as I said you know the fire crew up it went again and the fire crew ended up moving us so far back because of the blowbacks and everything they've had to break all the windows to get to people's homes and everybody was just everybody come out and we've got a bit of we got some community support people are rallying around getting stuff somebody made sandwiches and pizzas and stuff that was all being dished out and coffees and teas but I don't, I don't think I... No, I didn't have anything but water. <laughs> but, you know, having that kind of community support must have been... I know, obviously, it it's an awful, awful situation you've you know, It's great, power, you have got it. having that support... It is, and somebody's put all over Facebook for donations, for clothes and bedding and so forth. They're hopefully going to ask the pub, if the Rose Pub, if they can store it, because... We've actually got nowhere to put it at the moment. We don't know where we're going, what's happening. An investigation's underway to try and work out what caused the blaze. Dave Harris from Kent Fire and Rescue has been telling us more about what they've been doing. We were called to a significant roof fire. Uh, we made up resources very quickly to 10 appliances and a height vehicle. There's a well-established fire within the roof space. There's significant damage. Uh, the fire has uh, torn through the properties. Uh, we have also had to uh, gain access to the roof space to extinguish it and obviously apply water to, to extinguish the fire. So this morning, obviously, we're really mindful of the impact on those directly affected in the wider community. So we're working closely 
support those directly affected, seeing what we can uh, salvage for them and what advice we can provide going forward to support them. We're also paying uh, advice to the local community about fire safety, including the uh, fitting of um, smoke detectors. It was a terrifying ordeal for people living on the street, but luckily no one was hurt. Alex has been chatting to Leonora Pearson, who lives in a house nearby. Well, I was in my kitchen, I'm cooking, and I noticed um, smoke coming along the window. So I like being concerned. I came down, opened my door, and the smoke was just bellowing towards my house along the street. I wasn't sure what was happening, so I quickly closed the door and um, went up to the top floor where I could see out the road. And by then, I see all the people running along and says, um, number nine was on fire or something. And um, really, that was that. I was a bit, to be honest, concerned because I thought it would just stay at one house, but when it's sort of two houses, three houses, and that I was a bit worried and wanted to know if I should come out. But at the time, I didn't think there was any need to because through there's the, the gap, really, the stairway between my house and the next house because through I'm at the hen house. You know, I didn't think really at the time it would reach the, hen, the house next to me anyway. But eventually we, it did. So, you know, with advice to leave the house, um, which we did. And, um, yeah, my son came by then and we all leave and sat in the car for couple hours until it was safe to to return home. And I know you sort of said they put kind of a lot of foam on your house. Yeah, yeah, it was, was sprayed. That? It was sprayed in foam to prevent the fire um, spreading to my house, which was good. It was completely covered. It was like snow. You're stepping out in thick snow out here. Not everyone was lucky enough to be able to go back home straight away. Mary Williams has been telling Alex about her experience. One of my neighbours from down the back for absolute walk knocked on my door. And he just said to me, on the door, he said, Mary, your house is on fire. And did you believe it? No, I said, no, I'm, it can't be. I'm not cooking. I'm not doing anything. And he said, yes, it is. You know, he said, smoke coming out from the roof. So I came out and I looked up and thought, oh, my God. And this is when one of the neighbours came rushing in and she grabbed the cat and dragged me out, basically. You've got to come out now. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the cats are fine and that's the main thing. My, my daughter's fine. And that's all what counts, really, yeah. isn't it? At the end of the day, it doesn't yeah, matter. That was the best sort of news, isn't it? That there wasn't any injuries, no one was hurt, everyone kind of got out okay. Yeah, everyone got out, everyone did, they said everyone did the right thing, just coming out and not picking anything up, just coming straight out of the house, which is what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Did you take anything with you? No, I didn't take anything with me. I've still got my same clothes on. This is my clothes from last night. This is my sister's jacket. Um, and the, it was a, the fireman, when he went back in to get the, get the cat, he, went, he must have gone into the kitchen because he even bought uh, the cat's food, <laughs> box of cat's, cat's food. And he picked up my phone and the puffer and my glasses off the kitchen table. Oh, lovely. That was nice of them. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely, but that's about all, nothing, nothing else. You can see pictures of the fire and drone footage showing the damage caused to homes in the story on our website. Kent Online reports. In other news, a sex offender from Gravesend who spent nearly a decade abusing a child has been jailed for 14 years. Thomas Hawkwood threatened the victim and carried out physical assaults in the 90s. The 69-year-old from Rootham Road was found guilty of eight charges following a trial.
A hospital in Margate apologised after a grandmother was mistakenly put on a ward for patients receiving end-of-life care. 77-year-old Jean Kelly spent two months at the QEQM and was seriously ill with pneumonia and respiratory complications at the end of June. At one point, she was taken off antibiotics and told to say goodbye to her family before doctors realised an error had been made. Bosses at the QEQM say a review will be carried out to identify improvements. A Gravesend mum's urging young people to speak about their mental health after her 15-year-old son took his own life. Gemma Cayley-Smith is raising money to install a talking bench after losing Tristan in May. She's hoping it'll encourage people to open up about their worries. We were thinking about a memorial bench and we know that Thamesview had talked about having a bench placed at the school um, we've got a few friends that are, that talk to or are associated with the parish council in Higham. So they had talked to the parish council to get their sort of feel around whether they would allow us to place a bench for Tristan in the recreation ground in Higham. And um, I think out of the conversations with them, it came about that we could place something called a talking bench. So actually, it's not just a bench. Um you know, a memorial bench would be amazing ju- just as as people do for their loved ones because it, it means that there's a place to go and sit and think about them and also maybe share that with someone else. But the whole idea around the talking bench was that it's created purposefully so that it tells you what it is, it tells you who it's for and why. So it's a stark um, reminder of what happened to Tristan and what happens when you your mental health isn't where um you know in a healthy place it's what happens when you don't talk I think obviously there there is the element of Tristan's ADHD that that's to contend with as well but it's something that will be positive in the community so it's something that would will obviously support his friends support his peers the local community anyone that reads about it and wants to go and visit the bench and sit on it it will support many people for generations to come because the, these benches are guaranteed for a minimum of 25 years. But what they'll do is, is it's bespoke metal bench, so it will be made to our request. So it will have Tristan's name on it. It will say Tristan's talking bench. It will have a plaque on it that tells them about who Tristan is um, and you know why it's there. And I think that, for me, was... the first thing is memorialising Tristan, you know, keeping his memory alive when he can't be here. The second thing is to support his friends and people in the future so that there aren't more Tristans. I think that that for me was where the walk came from. It was, well, what can I do to go and raise this money? And I think in my head for a few weeks, I'd had, I just need to get out and walk. And I came across the Saxon Shore Way and thought, well, that starts in Gravesend where I live. So it kind of makes sense. But some days it's been really almost sort of liberating. It helps my mental health by getting me out and in the sunshine, out in nature, seeing places I'd never have seen before. I've got a little purple urn that's got some of Tristan's ashes in it. So I take it with me. I think, yeah, I think some days it's a struggle. Some days it is it is hard because I am alone with my thoughts. Walking is always something that's quite positive and progressive because you're moving forwards. You're never walking the same mile again. So I think for me it was have to do something, otherwise I'm going to just fall apart and I'm no use to anyone. It's not the fact that I want to do it on my own, it's it's the fact that I wanted to do something 
we need to raise this money to get the bench and there are people that want to join us as well you know want to do things as well so that's what I'm doing and then we had a, a local lady who is a DJ I think predominantly their, their drum and bass is their forte I think there's an eight week manufacture um, timeline so once we've designed it once we've paid for it um, we'll then obviously be waiting sort of eight weeks and then it's down to the to us to work with the parish council to either get concrete laid as a base for it or agree what it looks like and where where exactly it's going to be placed. We've got a link to her fundraising page in our story on the website. Kent Online News. A man's been arrested after a teenage girl was sexually assaulted in a car park behind Strood Sports Centre. She was targeted on Saturday night while a party was going on in the area. A man in his 20s from Rochester remains in custody. There are growing calls for council bosses to scrap plans to cut a number of children's centres in the county. Parents who rely on one of the at-risk sites Blossoms in Deal say it's vital the services are kept and have launched a petition. Earlier this year, KCC announced 35 centres were to close to help them save money. A man's been charged with arson following a fire at a co-op near Folkestone. The blaze happened earlier this month, with footage showing a hero takeaway owner extinguishing the flames at the store in Cheriton. He's also been charged with attempted robbery and will appear in court next month. Now, as England's footballers return home from the Women's World Cup, we've been finding out how they're going to continue to inspire people in Kent. The Lionesses landed back at Heathrow from Sydney, but disappointed fans by leaving through a private exit. Maidstone's Alessia Russo was in the team that lost 1-0 to Spain in the final on Sunday. KMTV's Abby Hook has been chatting to Rebecca Moore, who's the Women and Girls Development Officer at the Kent FA. I mean, obviously it was heartbreaking, but um, no... The, the inspiration that comes with even getting to a final is unreal. So the impact it's going to have on not just girls in Kent, but uh, boys and girls across the whole country is going to be massive. So, yeah, obviously gutted about the result, but to get there was, was incredible and the journey that they've gone through has been unreal. So, yeah, overwhelming pride, I think, is the bigger one now. Like you said, what, um, what it sort of looks to now is I suppose cementing what they did at the Euros even so I mean if they if they won or if they didn't we still got this huge coverage across um all the sort of news outlets but also everybody's seeing it all over their TVs um seeing it all so how do you think this is going to change the push that we saw from the Euros because we saw win the Euros and then a push for young people young girls into football and now what sort of impact is it going to have now that's a, a bit different perhaps yeah I think I've I've had a, a couple of interviews and I think I've said the same thing and I think it's more where before it was the focus on how do we get girls into the game now it's all about how do we shift perception so that having young girls older girls um, females of any age groups within the game in different roles how do we make that the norm you know because at the moment it's so much about um, oh how many clubs have got a provision where can my girl go and play football and we're starting to sort of create more opportunities and there are more provisions and we're working towards equal access we're nowhere near there yet um, as, a, as a country but we're definitely on the right path and I think now it's just a case of how do we cement that mindset and sort of shift that I guess typical trend that it is a male-dominated environment but we're working towards general acceptance so I think now it's just a, a shift in, in mentality as opposed to anything more dramatic on the pitch. 
Yeah, I think there's there's two things to look at here when we talk about this sort of inclusion. It's the the football, the game itself, the whoever's in charge of, you know, the, the higher powers within football and making it more accessible um, for women and sort of pushing them. But then also the perception of the general public um, and how, if they watch it, if they care, if they go on, oh, it's not proper football. You know, you have a lot of these attitudes as well floating about. How do you think that's changed? Yeah, I think dramatically in the last sort of 12 months. I mean, we've seen it as a county, the... The boom in women and girls opportunities has been incredible. Um, it's really nice to see the even down to the programs, so sort of Wildcats and Squad Girls. I think we've seen four times the number of providers come on just in this season alone. Um, so there's definitely a shift. And I think people are starting to jump on board and go, all right, okay, how do we become the next club um, to, su- to support and grow our women and girls provision? So it's definitely on the rise and we're, we're moving steps in the right direction, which is incredible. But yeah, as, as a county, we're now... In terms of equal access, we're leaps and bounds ahead of where I was even expecting. So yeah, no, we did really well. Did you expect the women to win going into the final? Did you was what was your sort of score prediction? <laughs> I um I said from the start of the tournament, if we get to the final, we'll win it. Um, so I might have been a little bit off there, but um, yeah, I think I got most games right up until that point. So I'll take that. <laughs> do Do you think it? I mean, you must do. But do you think we are capable of being world champions? And do you think the next time the opportunity comes around, that will be the one? Hundred um, percent. I think just the movements and and the infrastructure around it. I think everyone puts so much emphasis on the eleven players out on the pitch, but it's so much more than that. Even you know the the WSL, the championship, where we are domestically with football is leaps and bounds ahead of even Australia being the hosts. They don't have a, a professional league as such. So most of their players that are playing in top clubs over there are, are still having other part-time jobs just to support income. So when you look at what's around the game, we're leaps and bounds ahead. Um, and we've got a lot of young talent. You know, it, we've kind of gone through that transition now. So we've got an awful lot of young 20s. So they've got two or three more tournaments left in them. So. so do you think we'll be seeing the sort of same um, the same key England women players for, for the next few years? I think who we consider key players is going to shift. I think competition for places is ridiculous. Um, a lot of question marks over players that got left out of the competition, even players that went to the tournament but didn't feature. And, you know, you're thinking massive, massive names. Um, so I think competition is, is going to be incredibly high. So watch this space for who's next. Kent Online reports. Head over to the website today to see how some of Kent's businesses have fared after going up in flames. The Crab and Winkle in Whitstable and the Hood and Bar and Grill in Ashford are just some of those that have been torn apart by blazes in recent years. We've been finding out which ones have rebuilt and which have struggled to survive. A former soldier's received a bravery award after confronting two armed thieves in a local shop. Lee Hawkes from Rochester fractured his eye socket when the men threw bricks at him during the incident at a co-op back in 2020. The 45-year-old former Royal Engineer told police he did it because he was concerned for the female staff and other customers standing nearby. A video's emerged of a rodent scurrying around a Kent's Weatherspoons. Customers at the Muggleton Inn in Maidstone watched as the large grey mouse picked up scraps from under a table. A spokesman says the pub's implementing a range of actions in discussion with the local council. 
And Kentstina Rasher-Smith has finished eighth in the final of the women's 100 metres at the World Athletics Championships. American Shakari Richardson won the race in Budapest last night, setting a new record of 10.65 seconds. Dina will be going in the 200 metre heats tomorrow. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.